Urban Diversion, Star Ferry Water Tours at Victoria Harbor, and the most Michelin-starred restaurants in the world make Hong Kong a surprise city to most visitors. This peninsula and island territory is an east-meets-west blend of culture and customs. In this British-Chinese city, you'll find the Rosewood Hotel. Travel and Leisure's 2020 It List regards this skyscraper beauty as one of the best hotels in the world. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking to Simon Jilks, Director of Sales and Marketing of this vertical estate. Later on, we'll speak to James Laval, Manager of Conventions, Exhibitions, and Corporate Events at the Hong Kong Tourism Board to discuss what's up and coming for this electrifying city. If you're excited by vibrant street markets full of color during the day and movie-style city lights at night, join us today for Destination Everywhere, Hong Kong. Welcome to Destination Everywhere with hospitality and travel entrepreneurs Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. Having traveled to over 100 countries, Todd and Andy bring you unique perspectives with celebrities in the know, hospitality experts, and native connoisseurs to discover must-dos and inspirational destinations to plan your next trip for business or pleasure. So pack your bags and get ready as we bring you Destination Everywhere with Todd and Andy. Welcome, everyone. I'm Andy McNeil, and welcome to Destination Everywhere. Along here with Todd Bloodworth, today we are talking the beautiful, vibrant city of Hong Kong. And it is a major tourist destination, a great shopping paradise, and it's an international financial hub. It's everything that you need and a great place to visit. Todd, what have you done? What do you know about Hong Kong? Well, Hong Kong is actually, it's a part of China, and they have their own economic and their own political structure. But essentially, they are a special administrative region to the People's Republic of China. And something I did not know is that Hong Kong actually means fragrant harbor. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yep. The harbor used to be a major trading post for fragrant incense, which I found interesting. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, the best time to visit is October through March, where the temperatures are usually in the 70s and 60s, and it's a relatively dry, so a really nice climate. Summers tend to be a little hotter, made to September with lots of heat and humidity. So know that before you schedule your trip there. So we've got so much to cover today on Destination Everywhere Hong Kong. Next, we have Simon Jilks, the Director of Sales and Marketing for the Rosewood Hong Kong, the flagship property of the Rosewood brand. We can't wait to talk to him. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of Destination Everywhere, Hong Kong. We are thrilled to have Simon Jilks, the sales and marketing manager of the Rosewood Hong Kong. Simon has been a a longtime person in the industry in London, New York, and Boca Raton over the course of his career. Welcome, Simon. So glad to have you. Thank you very much, Andy. And thank you for inviting me on this. Oh, excellent. So I know it's nighttime there. It's daytime where we are, but I've got a beautiful background of gorgeous Hong Kong in the background, and I can see the skyline behind you as well. It is. It's a pretty, pretty nice, lovely evening here on top of Hong Kong Harbor. We're nice. at the high summer, so it's a pretty good place to be. Tell us a little bit about where you're located, because I know it's a really, it's kind of the crown jewel of Hong Kong. It really is. I think you can see from the window behind me, you can also see in the picture behind you, we're pretty much in the heart of Hong Kong and a very special piece of real estate for the, the, the family that are behind Rosewood Hotel Group now. It's probably the most prime piece of real estate right next to where the Regent Hong Kong was, which many yeah. of, of the guests will know exactly where that is. Really right on the harbour. We're in a very special spot where three sides of the building literally touch the harbour. So we have the most fantastic views from nearly every single one of our guest rooms and suites. 
In addition to that, the whole neighborhood was redeveloped when we opened just over two years ago. So the Victoria Dockside is completely new. It is a mixed-use type of development. So there is us as a hotel, there's apartments, there's a very incre- incredibly interesting and contemporary mall space as well. But in addition to that, we're right to have touching really Museum Mile and Avenue of the Stars, which is the most type of visited area in Hong Kong. It's the walkway along along the harbour that everybody goes along when they get off the Star Ferry. So it's it really is right in the middle of, of everything from shopping, from commerce, from art design as well. You guys were recognized as being one of the pe- best new hotels in the world. That's incredible. I mean, that's very impressive. Well, thank you. As you know, one of the, the senior leadership there, what do you think really set you guys apart to get you into that category? I think we opened this property in Hong Kong trying to be a little bit different, actually. That's a point of difference of Rosewood. There's incredible hotels in Hong Kong, and they're very luxurious, but they don't have that contemporary take, that slight point of difference. And we've done a lot of work here with the ownership of Rosewood to really make sure this is the flagship and this really type of defines what Rosewood is moving forward and, and obviously filters down to all of our other properties as well. It's about the way you feel when you come here and that sort of that residential feel. As a brand, we've never been that sort of scripted type of service style culture within the building. It's about that very genuine type of home away from home feel, which I think a lot of people have said for a long time. A lot of people say it, but we really do it. And it's also a place which it's a destination and it's somewhere which has been very successful for people in Hong Kong, for the locals, as well as people visiting. Everything is restaurants, our bars, the ethos we have there. It feels like a standalone restaurant in every restaurant you go into. You, you really don't feel like you're in a restaurant. I think that's another thing that's really quite unique about us. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Now, tell us about some of these guest experiences that you have. I mean, you have some really unique ones that people can sign up for? I mean, I just can't wait. There's a dim sum making class. Sounds just like a lot of fun. We have a lot of programs available and ideas available for our guests that are coming as a group, but also we offer them for our leisure guests as well. So, you know, we were talking a little bit before this. Right now, Hong Kong is getting a lot of locals coming to stay with us. And and actually, we have a lot of the activities we would put on for for those international guests, we're actually putting on for our, our local guests as well. So, it goes from dim sum making to feng shui to a master classes. Something else that we have, which is incredibly unique, is we have our own cultural concierge. So we always pre-opening when we are in the type of development stages. Obviously, when we have a lot of our guests, both in leisure or to a corporate coming in, they want to get to see the city very quickly with tour guides. But instead of having tour guides to recommend, we actually hired a permanent tour guide to be on our team. So they're part of the concierge team. And literally, obviously, you can book them in advance. But if you're you don't know what to do that day. You're at the concierge de- desk talking to Lotus, who, who's this lady. You'll say, let's go. And we'll take you out on a, on a tour of the local restaurants or take you to a couple of her favorite local restaurants, take you to one of those amazing markets that you probably need to go with a local with in the area. And it's the perfect, it's the perfect um, person to do that with. Well, that definitely speaks to the Rosewood brand, just kind of those, those extra touches. And you have these master classes. You have a a Chinese tea masterclass where they can learn to make uh, Chinese teas. Mm-hmm. One of our restaurants actually has a tea type of a tea bar in it. It's called, called the Tea Conservatory, and we have, I think, one of the only tea sommeliers in any of the hotels in in Hong Kong. And that's we work with a very well known, very old, respected tea house here in Hong Kong, and we bring their teas in. We have a tea bible which is as thick as a book, and you just sit down with this chap and and go through exactly what you like and he'll tell you about the history and the taste and really find exactly what you like it's a pretty interesting experience 
So you're a relatively new uh, person in Hong Kong. You've been there for a few years as a local now, as a new local. What do you like to do with your friends and family? Everybody thinks of Hong Kong as being like New York or just a financial hub. And it's, it is, obviously, it's an incredibly important financial hub, but there's so much more to it. I think over half of the land area of Hong Kong is national park. And something that, that us, I guess I'm a Hong Konger now, we do is we hike and we hike a lot. You can see, obviously, the peak in the background behind you, behind me. That's the normal one to do you do in your first couple of days, but you can really get into the wilderness and get into some pretty exciting hikes. And then obviously the other aspect that's really interesting or or really we're very lucky to have in Hong Kong is that that the ocean's on every, it's on your doorstep and, you know, you don't, people don't know about the beaches in Hong Kong. Yeah, we really haven't touched on that, expand on that. I think that's a great thing for our listeners to hear about because you don't, you, you, you talk about the city a lot when you talk about Hong Kong, but not the, not the beaches. No, there's so many destinations. I mean, literally within 10 to 15 minutes, you can be on the beach. Actually, we're lucky at Rosewood, we have landing steps right outside the building being right on the harbor as well. You can jump on a boat right outside and type of, and, and be in Saikun, which is one of our sort of very beachy areas within 10, 15 minutes. There's some very interesting to a fishing villages, which are built out on the water, which you can go and visit. And there's some amazing restaurants where you literally sort of see the fish being caught and can eat straight away. There's a lot to do. I think you've probably heard of some of the Chinese junks, which is something that we take advantage of and you see sort of around the harbor all the time. Great for group activities, great just for you know booking on it individually as well. What can we expect from the Rosewood Hotel Group? I know there's a lot of stuff happening with the brand. Can you just kind of expand for our listeners about where else they're having openings and what we can expect over the next few years? Because I know it's, it's pretty impressive. Yes. I, th- I think what's different about us, of course, we've got a lot of properties opening in Asia. I would say Shanghai, our first property in Japan being the highlights on this side. There's around 10 properties there. We're a brand. We're only we're not even 30 hotels, but we've got pretty much 10 hotels opening in Asia. Not quite as many as that in, in the US and, and in the Americas, although we do have Sao Paulo opening very soon, Mexico City opening in a couple of years. I think what is exciting for us is we have a lot of, we don't have a big footprint in, in Europe. And we've got nine properties opening in the next three oh, that's years. That's amazing. And, and just so you know, we have a very international audience and we do about 40% of our business internationally. Very, we're very excited about Europe. Mm-hmm. Where, tell our listeners where you guys are opening up there. First, I think open will be Vienna. Then we have Munich. We have Venice. We have Rome, Amsterdam. And we have a second one. We have an incredible one, a second one opening in London, which will actually take over the American. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, so, Wow. Fantastic. Very iconic and the most incredible location in London as well. Oh, that's fantastic. We can't wait to visit. I mean, the property looks just amazing. Where can our listeners find the Rosewood Hong Kong on social media or your website? Obviously on rosewood.com, you'll find us right there. And I think, you know, Instagram will be the one to visit on our social media channels. So it's where we post on a daily basis. So, yeah. Well, Simon, thanks so much for your time. We can't wait to visit and we appreciate you uh, joining us on Destination Everywhere. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invite. Thank you. Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere Hong Kong. And right now we're going to talk about a couple of our destination favorites as they relate to Hong Kong. And one we thought everybody would absolutely enjoy is to hike Lion Rock for just breathtaking views of the city. In Hong Kong, if you don't know, it is on a harbor, which is amazing, but it also backs up to a mountain. So you get a little bit of everything and it's absolutely gorgeous. So Lion Rock Country Park, it sits in the mountain range just behind Hong Kong and offers scenic hiking trails that overlook the cityscape. 
And it's a great place to spend an afternoon, just outdoors or getting exercise before some before a business meeting or other professional event. Absolutely. Absolutely. So something that is really popular over the years, and now Hong Kong is actually a host of this fantastic event. It's Art Basel. It started in Basel, Switzerland, and then went to Miami Beach. And now in 2013, they added Hong Kong. So it's one of the three host cities. And if you have not been to an Art Basel, you've got to go. Another great reason to go. It's an international art fair that showcases the city's local institutions, but also brings in art from all over the world. Galleries are represented from the entire globe. So you definitely want to see that. What's next, Todd? Next one, we're going to go shopping at Hollywood Road and Soho. If you're from the States, obviously those names, Hollywood and Soho, sound familiar to you, Soho being in New York. But Hollywood Road was one of the first paved roads of Hong Kong back in 1844. And it was a popular trading destination for sailors and smugglers. And it's now a destination for antique street markets, which is How much very fun. cool. Yeah, definitely have to do that. And if you like to shop and, you know, I'm sure you can find some great deals and then find a way to ship them back to your home. But And Soho is a district just south of Hollywood Road. And it's another great area for exploration, complete with nice restaurants, art galleries, fun bars, and antique stores. So if you're out and about and you want to do some shopping, go check those spots out. Yeah. Now, next one we have is a great group event that we did one time is visit the horse tracks at Happy Valley Race Course. Now, this has been around since 1845. And Hong Kong has a huge passion for horse racing. You definitely feel that when you're there. You can host events September through July, so almost all year long. And it's just really incredible, the excitement. And you really feel, feel the energy of the city when you go to the horse track. It offers great venues for groups. It's got fun bars, lounges, and restaurants. So you can't miss it. So definitely want to do that when you're in Hong Kong. Another thing that would be just a great activity to do is to go cheer on crew members at the Dragon Boat Festival. And this takes place in mid-June and it's in Victoria Harbor. And it's a great way to one, go watch the festival, cheer on the boats. And it's just a beautiful destination being out on the harbor. And plenty of the boat races uh, take place during the event and the spectators can view all of the excitement dockside. So definitely go check out the Dragon Boat Festival in mid-June. Absolutely. Now, if anybody's seen the skyline of Hong Kong, you've seen those neon signs, right? They're kind of known for that. And we just talked to Simon about this, so we definitely want to talk about it, is to actually learn about the history of the neon signs and actually make your own custom sign. Then you can do this at a variety of different locations and really an interactive activity and creative and really teaches you a cultural experience in Hong Kong. So this is making your own custom neon sign in Hong Kong. And every night at 8 p.m., there is the Symphony of Light show. And Something that's really cool about Hong Kong is, again, 42 buildings in downtown Hong Kong take part of this light and sound show. And it definitely displays one of the world's most spectacular multimedia demonstrations of the city's nightlife. So, again, every evening at 8 p.m. and probably one of the best viewing areas would actually be from a ferry in Victoria Harbor. So how much fun. Definitely try to put that back on your list if you haven't had an opportunity to do it. So those are our destination favorites. Boy, Hong Kong is such a beautiful city, something to do. Everywhere you go, you definitely want to visit where you're going for business or pleasure. Todd? And we will be right back with our next guest, uh, James Laval. And James is the manager of conventions, exhibitions, and corporate events for the Hong Kong Tourism Board. So we'll be right back. At AMI, we're passionate about meeting connections that change lives. 
For over 20 years, we have traveled our clients all over the globe, supporting their business goals and helping them stand apart. From hotel sourcing to audiovisual magic, we'll make your corporate meeting or event second to none. Go to AmericanMeetings.com to learn more. American Meetings, AMI, meeting planning perfected. Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere featuring Hong Kong. And I'm really excited about our next guest. Our next guest is James Laval. And James is the manager of conventions, exhibitions, and corporate events of the Hong Kong Tourism Board. So welcome, James. Thanks, Dives. Great to be here. We're going to just dive right into it. Hong Kong is obviously, everybody knows, it's an amazing city. The skyscape of Hong Kong is amazing. It's towering. It's technology at its finest. Tell us a little bit more about what your role is and what you do for the Hong Kong Tourism Board. Well, Todd, I've been with uh, HKTB and now within a division of HKTB called Meetings and Exhibitions Hong Kong, which is a sub-brand for the business events industry for 18 years. And I am essentially the director of all sales and marketing activity in North America across all business events. That's conventions, incentives, meetings. We don't do a lot towards the exhibition industry, but we do service and industry as well. So everything from marketing, PR to client assistance. And we consider ourselves a full service DMO that wants to be holding our clients' hands to make the process easy from inception to execution. You know, Hong Kong is obviously a part of China, but Hong Kong kind of has an autonomy that is different than mainland China, correct? Well, yes, Hong Kong is considered, Hong Kong and Macau are considered special administrative regions. You need a passport to get from Hong Kong to China and vice versa. It's a highly distinct and separate entity. China certainly has influence in City Hall. They also have the army base. In 1997, when the British handed China, uh, Hong Kong back to China, the British army marched out and the Chinese army marched in. And Hong Kong does not have any of its own foreign affairs departments. That's all dictated by the Chinese government. But within the marketplace that we discuss, Hong Kong is very autonomous. It's still the world's freest economy or the world's second freest economy, depending on who you ask which would make it quite different than the rest of China. And it's still a hyper-capitalist society and the region's financial capital. So there's a lot, it has a lot of aspects to it that are very un-Chinese, but we still certainly are part of China in an indirect manner. And so what are some of the misconceptions or barriers that planners and businesses have about doing meetings and incentives over in Hong Kong? Well, I think, like you said, many people think it's a, a distinct and direct part of China. So they anticipate language barriers, and that's not going to happen because English is the language of business and service in Hong Kong. That's obviously a byproduct of 99 years of the, the British colonial rule, if you will. They think things will be quite difficult in communications, but also in planning. And that's far from the case because, again, because of the British colonial rule, the legal system in Hong Kong is very much based on Western law. And contracts are very similar to what you would uh, negotiate in the U.S. There are certain clauses, such as service institution of some service fees. From a planner's perspective, it's not as easy to negotiate 24-hour holds on ballrooms, but that's purely based on the amount of business going in and out of the hotel ballrooms every day. But for the most part, I think people get surprised, especially when they hit the streets, about how Western Hong Kong is, while still remaining its uniquely Asian appeal. I'm a New Yorker. I was born in New York. I lived in the city for 10 years. And I get on the streets in Hong Kong and I walk around and I feel right at home. And that, that I left. So 
you do have to like an urban environment for sure. And what are some of the activities that you see as a must do for every traveler to experience when they when they visit Hong Kong? Well, as you can see from Hong Kong, yes, you have the fantastic skyline on both sides. But right in the middle is a fantastic harbor. So everyone has to experience the harbor and experiencing the skyline from the middle of the harbor, especially with the cocktail on your hand on a harbor cruise is a fantastic experience. But if you don't want to pay for a harbor cruise, you can pay 75 cents and take the Star Ferry across as well and get the same view. That's one of our public transport options in Hong Kong. Also, up on the mountaintop, Behind the city, this is one thing that does surprise people. Hong Kong is a large city, but it's surrounded by mountains. And so you take the tram to the top of Victoria Peak. There's a whole entertainment and dining district up there and fantastic views down to the harbor. Um, Also experiencing the culture, our ancient temples or our fishing villages. Hong Kong is actually about 200 islands. The area landmass is about half the size of Rhode Island. So taking a ferry out to one of our smaller islands and visiting a fishing village where things are pretty much done the same way they were 100 years ago, just to have an hour outside of one of the world's largest megalopolises is a fantastic experience. And out on Lantau Island, which is the largest of our islands and where our airport is, we have great things like the Big Buddha and Nongping Scenic Railway, which gets you out into the countryside. More than 70% of Hong Kong is country park, and that surprises people. So you can get out into the country parks, find monasteries and fishing villages and historic sites that litter the area. When we think of incentives, we also think of a lot of, well, incentives and sales meetings and and probably launches for certain products. We think about team building activities. And what are some great team building activities that we can incorporate into a a meeting or an event that we do in Hong Kong? If you really have a group of uh, he-men who want to compete against each other as their team building activity... Why not try dragon boat racing on uh, one of the harbors or estuaries? The Dragon Boat Festival is one of our largest national holidays, and Hong Kong is well known for the dragon boat racing. Right. So you can put on your own race, and a DMC can help get you the the boats and give you some rudimentary training and get you out there and paddle. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, but it's not for everybody. I I don't don't like to exert myself that much. I'm happy enough to have a Tai Chi class on the harbor where we all learn one of the most ancient of martial arts. It's low impact, but it's it's high aerobic, and it's a great, our teachers actually teach about the history of Tai Chi while also teaching you some basic moves and doing some demonstrations. One of the things that also cultural that we try to incorporate into meetings, which don't have as much time for team building activities, but just want to get a taste of something special is a tea appreciation classes. I try and convince every meeting that comes into Hong Kong to turn, take one coffee break, and just make it 30 to 45 minutes and put a stage in your coffee break area and have a tea master come in and talk about the history of tea in the region and the proper way to make a cup of Chinese tea. It's a way of bringing a sense of place into the meeting without having to carve out half a day. Right. Because a lot of the corporate meeting side, especially, doesn't have that amount of free time. Cooking classes are very popular. We have the great, you know, the greatest Chinese cooking school in the world is in Hong Kong. It feeds out all the top restaurants around the world. So you can learn to make some gourmet cook food there, or you can go out to Hong Kong Disneyland and learn how to make dim sum that looks just like Mickey Mouse or the little green men from Toy Story. And then, you know, you mentioned the culinary experiences and you mentioned a little bit about the food, but if someone wants to go and really experience the authentic cuisine. You've got it from so many different levels there in Hong Kong, whether it's a Michelin rated restaurant or whether it's street food. Can you tell us a little bit about where someone might want to go to kind of get the best experience, completely authentic, as well as this new kind of gastro tech 
philosophy that a lot of places have. Sure. I mean, obviously, Hong Kong is a is a megalopolis. And it's also one of the most multicultural cities in Asia. So people come and they get to experience the full range and breadth of a global food scene. But if you're looking for some very uniquely Hong Kong experiences, Hong Kong was well known for what they call Dai Pai Dong, which is street dining and trying out a little tasty bites as you're walking around the city streets and discovering neighborhoods. Some of the foods that you would experience from a Dai Pai Dong include egg tarts and egg waffles, stinky tofu and fish balls. That's one of those options. Also, getting at, we talked about the fishing villages, and there's a few where you can go in, watch the fish be brought ashore and put into tanks and pick out the fish or crab or whatever it is that just came in today that you want to eat for dinner, and then sit down waterfront on the pier, and they'll cook it up and serve it to you right there. And that's a fantastic experience. And all the meal is done in a very Hong Kongese flavor. You can do that in places like Sai Kung, which is a great neighborhood, or take the boat out to Lama Island where there's a big fisher folk village and lots of restaurants. So like you said, we have 69 Michelin-starred restaurants. We have Alvin Leung's Bold Innovation, which is one of the more famous you know, molecular gastronomy restaurants in the world. But we also have the least expensive Michelin-starred restaurant in the world in Tim Ho Wan, where you can get a dim sum feast for under $10, and they've got a Michelin star. So you really have a lot of options. And now let's talk about some of the unique venues that are offered for groups. And even as individual travelers, what sticks out in your head? I mean, you're from New York originally, which is a place that, you know, you can go urban hiking and get lost. And every time you go out, you can come across something that you probably haven't noticed before. But what pops out in your head is is it just a completely unique venue to Hong Kong that you can utilize? I would say over the last 15 to 20 years, there's been a real focus on restoring some of the larger old developments in Hong Kong. And it's offered us a range of new venues that are quite cool, that it was launched with Heritage 1881, which is right in the heart of the Kowloon Peninsula across the street from the Star Ferry. And it's an old Marine police headquarters that was redeveloped into a boutique hotel with with a lot of dining options. They have some events, some great event space and a beautiful courtyard on the inside to host private events and a great aspect over the harbor. PMQ, which is in Central, the old police married quarters, that's what PMQ stands for, is a similar development from the early 1900s that is now an artist incubator, an arts and crafts incubator. And they have their own function space and people who hold functions there will usually negotiate to keep a bunch of the art stalls or they're they're really shops, they have doors and properties, but they're very tiny spaces to keep them open for their guests to roam around and look and or shop during an event. So that's a real popular one. The newest, which was opened uh, in 2019 and is probably the most impressive, is the Taekwon Heritage Center. And that's the old main police station of uh, Hong Kong. In fact, one of the hireable venues is the cocktail bar built into the old jail. So you take your drinks in the cells in the jail. But that is a beautiful venue, which has a broad range of meeting space. It, It dates back in history and it's retained most of its historical features But it also has a a wide range of uh, food and beverage options that can be uh, privatized for groups. What's next for Hong Kong and what do they have planned for the upcoming near future? Right at the beginning of the pandemic, we opened a number of new uh, fantastic meeting hotels like the Rosewood Hong Kong, which is right on the harbor. And the uh, new Marriott added at one of our theme parks, Ocean Park. There's a lot of development. I mentioned Lantau Island as a cultural destination. It's also where Disneyland is. But also in our airport region. There's a development of a new dining, entertainment, and meeting cluster. Asia World Expo, which is one of our two purpose-built convention centers out there, and has already has 800,000 
rentable square feet of meeting space and exhibition space, is doing a major expansion. And right across the street from there, they're building a venue called, and let me look at it one more time because it's just got the name last week, Eleven Skies. It's called Eleven Skies, and it is going to be the largest dining and entertainment district in Hong Kong. It'll include all types of things from restaurants. There's also a lot of new hotel opening up attached to Asia World Expo and some potential expansions. And then just down the road, a 1,000-room Sheraton project is opening up, well, is actually in soft opening right now. And these will all work together with Asia World Expo to develop a new meeting destination for international planners. You know, James, thank you. Thank you so much for enlightening us on Hong Kong and, and what's happening. Where can our listeners follow some of this, whether on Instagram, social media? Where can they keep in touch with what's happening in Hong Kong and really get some information if they're looking to plan a meeting or an event? Well, Discover Hong Kong, from a leisure perspective, has strong presences on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So following them there would be great. From a business travel perspective, the Meetings and Exhibitions Hong Kong page on LinkedIn is a very great resource, both for learning and for sharing information about Hong Kong, as well as, of course, our website, which is www.mehongkong.com. So I would encourage your listeners to depend upon their interests to go to one of those venues. Well, James, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you joining us and we wish you the best of luck and hope to see you in Hong Kong soon. So that wraps it up for Destination Everywhere, Hong Kong. What a wonderful, vibrant, exciting city. And we'd like to thank our team here at Destination Everywhere. We'd like to thank Chris Jordan, our copywriter. Annie Fernandez, our creative director, Mercy Erler, our marketing director, and of course, the amazing Lauren Campbell, our podcast producer. So please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your preferred podcast app or by going to www.destination-everywhere.com. We look forward to speaking with you next time on Destination Everywhere. Safe travels. You've just tuned in to another episode of Destination Everywhere with travel and hospitality entrepreneurs, Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. To access the show notes and other helpful resources, visit destination-everywhere.com. Join us again next week for another bucket list filled show as we feature another travel-worthy destination. Until next time, travel well and be safe out there.